0: Probably the hardest part of being a manager for a number of investors is that they depend on that income. They're not just some wealthy millionaire sitting back collecting a check. They actually have bills that they're responsible for for these properties. Welcome to the Get Real
1: Podcast, your high octane boost of full on reality therapy for personal, business and investing success with your host
2: ron phillips because somebody's got to tell it like it is hey everybody welcome back to the get real podcast ron phillips here with heather marchant hey everyone another beautiful day in south carolina everybody and by everybody i mean everybody who lives where it's cold that's really what i mean so
1: yeah it's gonna begin it has already started started.
2: yeah it's already snowed in many places and since it's 75 here it's time for me to start rubbing it in
1: for the next six months or so Easily,
2: easily six months. Yeah. Well, we're back. Today's episode is uniquely special because Heather, I think we should coin this as like the Heather squared or Heather to the second power um, podcast.
1: (laughs) Second power. There's
2: definitely a multiplicative effect when you have two heathers on the show. So
1: I know. I'm a little worried about you having to handle two heathers at the same time on a call,
2: but I am also concerned about it. It's going to feel maybe a little bit like the view where there's like one person and four people ganging up on them, but I'll do my best today. <laughs> so this is another one of those topics, Heather, that we get request and even if it's not a request, we simply just get tons of questions. Yeah. about this particular and this particular topic is really the key to success in this business. And so without sure. further ado, let's let Heather introduce Heather. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: only really cool people are named Heather. So that's true. <laughs> this is Heather Saylor. So we have a different last name, thank heavens, but Heather Saylor has been in property management for 15 years. We've worked together. Gosh, I mean, we've joked about being two Heathers in emails for several years now and she is the Vice President of Inch & Co Property Management in Pennsylvania. What markets specifically, what cities, Heather, are you guys in? We
0: have York, Harrisburg, Gettysburg, Lancaster, South Central Pennsylvania.
1: Okay, awesome. So, I mean, a pretty big geographical area when I look at a map. However, it feels like your cities blend together a lot. I mean, you guys are fairly close to Washington, D.C., right?
0: Correct. Yeah. We are like York is the hub of DC, Baltimore, Philadelphia, and Harrisburg, kind of cool. right in
1: the middle. Yeah. So interesting. Yes. Cause when I realized that, like how long does it take you to get from York to DC? About an hour and a half. Yeah. Mind blowing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I didn't realize that when we first worked together, how close you guys were to DC. So pretty, when you have that, those cities together, I mean, it, kind of just one huge Metro is kind of what I've been gathering over there. Yes. Years. Yes, yeah. Awesome. So, can you talk a little bit about your market? Why investors like buying rental properties in your market specifically?
0: Well, the price point because we are suburban from the large metropolitan city. So, the price point on the properties in our area is super low compared to what you're looking at Baltimore, Lancaster County is on the outskirts of Philadelphia. So, so the biggest point is you're going to get a
1: better cash flow on a lower price point. Got it. So, and I think your demand for tenants has got to be really great because you're more in the suburbs.
0: Yes, it is. We basically can't rent as fast as we can get the property. So, yeah, I mean, our rental pricing, we are able to be highly competitive because we have commuters that are working in Baltimore, DC, Philadelphia that are living in our areas and they're paying a third less than what they're going to pay in those large cities. And that's at a minimum of a third less. I mean, some of them are significantly lower.
1: And is there a, I mean, I don't know this, so is there a demand for being more in the suburbs with like your schools or maybe the size of the home or the yard or things like that, that they don't get in those big metros?
0: Yeah, definitely. The yard is a huge one. The school districts as well are highly competitive in this area. And so they prefer to have the non-city school districts the features of a nice yard better neighborhoods as far as like comparison to urban living where everybody's on top of each other and yeah noise and privacy and all the good stuff that goes along with that
1: because that helps answer a lot of questions i've gotten about your market over the years is there's less single family detached just like what every other location usually we're having three bed two bath homes that are freestanding where yours are often like row homes, which makes a lot of sense based on what you're saying, that you're competing with huge high rises or whatever in Baltimore and DC and Philadelphia.
0: Right. Yeah. So they have the privacy. their own parking on yeah. their property. They're typically fenced yards are very, very popular in the area, which is nice for those that are pet friendly.
1: Yeah. Tenants
0: and residents. Yes. We don't have a whole lot of stacked housing here. So it is the nice yeah. of the side by side versus On top of each other, you you really get a big difference in the noises with residents. That's a really good point.
2: I found it. I mean, I think coming from the Midwest where it's almost all detached, Mm -hmm. single family homes, right? And even out West when I lived out there and down here in Charleston, everything's that way. I think in a large part of the country, it's that way. When I visited York and Harrisburg and some of the surrounding areas, it's just entirely different up there and when you go into these you know you look at these row homes and from a picture you can't tell how big they are they're enormous inside many of them and then the yards are kind of long and skinny and you think about the big huge yards we have like down here and stuff like that but coming from the city if you actually leave philly or you leave one of those cities that we're talking about where there's literally concrete everywhere a little patch of your own in the back is as small as I would consider it to be is huge. It's right. just a massive difference, right? And they're so cool inside because a lot of them are really kind of older properties. They have incredible woodwork inside of them, many of them. And they're just there's a cool factor to those town, those row homes up there that I think you have to actually see to understand.
0: Oh yeah. I mean you can walk in every single house is different. The architectural tidbits that you see from one to the next, whether it's special moldings or the old fancy bi-fold doors that are like actually pocket doors for the dining room. I mean, it is, and just the green space. I'm just looking out my window and I can see orange leaves that are falling off trees right now. And that's completely typical for the entire area where we are. That it's not concrete everywhere, yes.
1: That's really interesting. I love that we've worked together for this long, and I'm understanding a lot of things I didn't previously (laughs) understand about your area. That's very cool.
0: (laughs) But the nice thing is, is we're close enough to those cities that a lot of people drive into Baltimore. Baltimore is probably the closest that they're driving into. Mm. We get a lot of commuters. You can do your shopping still with the better metropolitan areas. It's all close enough that it's not, it's all arms length. yeah.
2: Yeah, and you get lower rent than Baltimore City, which is, let's be honest, I mean, come on. Everybody knows that your life expectancy in Baltimore City's (laughs) gotta be lower than almost anywhere on the planet. So. That's uh, for sure. I mean, quality (laughs) of life. I only know it's like, like, I have a meeting there that's two or three times a year. And I go there and I'm just like, man, they tell you like, stay in your hotel. Like at night, just don't don't go out. And I'm like, it
0: depends on what part of Baltimore you're in. Yes.
2: Yeah, definitely. I'm in in Baltimore City. I'm like downtown. There's like, you just don't come out. Of your hotel. Yeah, you're
0: good at Federal Hill. You're good if you go to the harbor, but that's about the extent of it with Baltimore, yes.
2: That is so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a pretty nice hotel, and they're like, I'll just stay in there. Come out when it's light outside tomorrow. And
0: and the other nice thing about our area, I mean, it's not abnormal to drive down the road when you're heading to the outskirts of the area to see a horse and buggy. I mean, we're in Amish country. It's definitely not all... York City is one part of it, but then you hit Southern New York County, and you're going to see a horse and buggy, if not more, a handful of
1: them. So wow, very cool. A little
0: bit of everything here.
1: Yeah, that was such a good snapshot and summary of that. I wanted to talk more about COVID in your area and how it's impacted you guys, because this is a conversation we really haven't had on the podcast, aside from Ron and I talking about it from your perspective, how it's affected you guys, the eviction moratorium and how you navigated it, I guess.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it was definitely a challenge. This was new territory for everyone, whether you were seasoned or not in Mm. this business. Yeah. Initially it was, we can't do anything. We're writing it out. At some point down the road, certain magistrates were allowing leniency on the eviction moratorium. So we had some places that were allowing it. It was a matter of
1: communication
0: and your experience in this and your contacts and knowing where and when we could do certain things because it literally changed daily. A judge mm-hmm. would say, okay, I'm I'm open. We're doing this. What complaints do we need to file for non-paying tenants? And so that was a big thing was like just our contacts with the magistrates. Formally, we were totally lifted right after Labor Day. So at that point, of this year, we were able to move forward with any evictions that previously we weren't able to do. In reference, though, to the evictions, we tried to avoid that. Every time we were sending a late notice to a resident, we were including with that the information for where there was rental assistance and programs and agencies yep. that were offering some kind of guidance to the residents. Yeah. So, I mean, luckily, there's been tons of grants that we've seen in our area. I mean, realistically, there's the residents that are great and they're going to do everything they can to make things right. And then you have some that will milk it for everything that it's worth. And even some of those residents, I mean, we got checks, $10,000 worth of back rent, but we just kept everybody well informed as much as we could throughout the entire process because it was day by day. We didn't know what was going to
1: happen. Wow, I didn't realize that it was that fluid for you guys with local government officials. That's crazy. Oh yes,
0: our state is very split between what party they fall under, and so mm. they take it into their own hands on how they want to handle things.
2: You know, I think way. we saw that too, Heather. We were looking at apartment buildings at first of the year, and depending on which county you were in, mm. we had management companies that were managing some of these apartment buildings that we were looking at, and when we asked them. Why they weren't evicting certain people that weren't paying, they were like, "Well, you can't, when you actually could, like, because we currently were. And right. we told the management company, we were like, "The court's been open for like two months. I don't know what you're doing over there." And to your point, having the right management company who's, well, A who cares, B who has the right contacts who can tell them, and the right attorneys who can tell them, man, that's critical all the time. I mean, good grief! During COVID, it was like you said, uncharted territory. Nobody even knew what was going right. on. Right?
1: Yeah, and making sure you were up to speed on what was happening—that's pretty impressive. Because it would be the easier thing to just say, "Oh yeah, I can't do anything." Right? That'd right. Exactly. It's like, "Oh, well,
0: there's a moratorium. We're, you know, an <laughs> yeah. but we're not yeah. doing any justice to our property owners or our tenants if we're not researching yeah. every possible option to be able to get this resolved."
1: So yeah, I yeah. agree. That's awesome. And to make a situation like that and still fight the good fight every day, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, with a smile on my face. (laughs) Yeah, of course, you weren't stressed at all. You didn't have any orders, never. Oh, man. Um, And it's hard because we're trying to also explain to our
0: residents, like, look, we understand you're in a situation right now, but we're not getting relief on mortgages. Yeah. You know, and we have investors that have mortgages for these properties. And it's always... That's probably the hardest part of being a manager for a number of investors is that they depend on that income. They're not just some wealthy millionaire sitting back collecting a check. They actually have bills that they're responsible for, for these properties. And so that's always been the biggest thing is like, we have to cover and protect them first and foremost.
1: Well, and your job is so difficult and unique in that you work for both sides, right? Right so to speak right it's like this liaison between two parties and this would have been extra challenging and i think our clients i don't hear enough of like seeing that side of it which is why i wanted to have you on the podcast and talk about it because i think a lot of times they only see their side of right. how would my property perform during COVID, and placing blame on the management or the area or whatever instead of seeing the big picture of what actually happened. So, yeah, really that's interesting. correct. Yeah, yeah. so
0: and, and first and foremost, our responsibility is to those property owners. Yeah. However, we have to keep a good relationship with those tenants. Yeah. So that in the long term, a happy tenant is a better tenant. So yeah. it puts us in a really precarious position sometimes.
1: Yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> so can you talk about
0: how things have shifted for in your market so September was really really busy with a lot of evictions we are still working through them we picked our top 50% of the highest balances first and foremost to work through that we needed to and now we are finally stabilizing on that side of like the eviction process we didn't want to do everything all at once although it's a benefit to the property owner however If we evict 50 tenants, we got 50
1: vacancies to fill. Exactly.
0: So like I said, we continue to still work through. We still have a lot of residents that are still like applying for financial aid and rental assistance. And we're working through all of that. Our local agencies are backlogged. They're still working on contracts that were submitted in July and August. So Uh it's maintaining the balance of the property owners where we have open communication with tenants and agencies that they're remaining patient because it's better to get the money than to have to do the eviction. But then also where we are having an eviction, which we actually only had probably less than 3% of the delinquencies have actually become evictions due to luckily the agency is having the amount of grant money yep. that they have to be able to assist. But the tenants and us maintaining a good relationship in keeping regular updates and communication open on them through the process of getting the assistance. So we didn't want to have too many vacancies. There's already a shortage of contractors, which makes our life really difficult on turnovers that we could have five to 10 vacancies come up due to eviction. And then we mm-hmm. got to turn all 10 units at the same time. I mean, that would be just a nightmare.
2: Yeah. So it's I, isn't it humorous in my apartment complexes? We were very aggressively going to the tenants and saying here's the paperwork this is all you need to fill out and then you can turn this in and everything your problems go away right Mm -hmm. trying to help them understand what's in it for them and i do find it kind of funny that there's this like subsection of tenants that until the eviction notice is posted They're like, oh crap, like, where's the paperwork I can fill out for this thing? You know, (laughs) I mean, and then you've got like potentially 12 or more months worth of funds that are going to be coming. And yes, I think it's so what you just said is so important because I think helping owners understand the difference between because it's easy as an owner to just get pissed and just Mm -hmm. go, just get them the hell out of my house because they have been non-paying for 12 months. It's a whole other thing to go, yeah, but. They just filled the paperwork out right? and you're going to get back paid for all 12, 14, however many months, plus maybe some going forward. Correct. And then if you have to evict them, it's an eviction and you don't have this massive loss and Heather educating them like you guys have been doing, I think is so important, helping them see the bigger picture here. Right. Right.
0: Right. I mean, who wants a loss of a year's worth of rent? If you can get it, take it. (laughs) <laughs> we can give a 30-day or a non-renewal once we've got the contract and we know that, okay, funds are here and we're covered through this date. If you still want the tenant out, then we can do that. But we can do it without even having to do an eviction process. Let's first deal with what's most important, which is your cash flow and, and getting you as much accountability from the resident for the financial money that's due. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because I went through that with one of my rentals and I started losing the faith. At like 10 months, they'd already applied for the financial aid. And I was like, did they though? Like, what's right. happening? And then I got the paycheck. I got about like $12,000. And I, it took a, almost an entire year. And I mm-hmm. was like, oh, that was worth the wait. But in the middle yes. of it, you better believe that I was like, am I dumb? Like, what
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. am I doing? Well, so the nice thing with us is that the agencies that we work with require a contract to be signed. Mm. So we now are able to provide those to the investors to know oh. we have a legitimate contract. This is what we're getting X amount of dollars covering these specific dates. And it helps ease them a little bit like, OK, we yes. know this is coming. So, yeah, yeah. it's actually Yeah, yeah you just
2: say, look, the money is either coming from the government or from an agency that's getting the money from the government, which means strap on your seatbelt. It's going to be a minute, right? You're you're on the ride and the government will get you the money when they're good and ready. And that's kind of how it works with the government. Yes. Yep.
1: So in the interim, go ahead. No, you're okay. I want to hear what you're going to say.
0: In the interim, we offered cleanliness inspections as a new I don't want to say process, but a new service that we're providing to the landlords so that we're going in and we're checking the housekeeping of these non-payers, making sure like, mm-hmm. okay, look, this one is just a complete wreck. They're
2: mm-hmm. Whatever's
0: happening here, or this is an excellent, I mean, they are keeping your house immaculate. Let's ride this out and let's get, to- so that we're able to make really good determinations once the funding is in place and we can decide, is this a non-renewal? Do we want to- Yep go this direction. It is always case by case and things can change in a person's life in a minute. But I think that that was an added bonus that the owners were like getting to see their property and see, okay, 99% of them are taking really great care of the home. They're just in a financial situation. And so they're getting their eyes on it, which they really appreciated that as well.
1: Yeah, I wish I had both of those things. Some kind of paperwork showing me it was happening and <laughs> photos. man, Heather.
2: Uh, where's the contract? <laughs> Come along.
1: I know. <laughs> I'm like, did they just, they said, we saw it. We They filled it out. I should have asked for a copy. See, I'm learning. So as far as your local market, have you guys seen rents on the rise in your market? Or have they been pretty stable since COVID?
0: No, still on the rise. The housing market in this area, homes are selling for a minimum of 25 over. The mm. house values have increased yeah. Yeah. in sales. And so, with that, we're increasing where we are on our rents. Yeah, I mean, it's really remarkable. I honestly, as I'm also a real estate agent, so I don't sell much, but at least every you now and exposure. then, but I keep yeah. an eye on everything. And it just blows my mind what houses in our area are selling for right now. But the plus side of that is, as I'm watching what the prices on the sales are, is I know where I can yep. go on the rentals. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. It's really amazing. Huh, that's very cool. I'm so glad you took some time to go over this with us because I think it helps mindset for investors to really understand how navigating this process and what it's been like. Understand your market and your tenants and who's renting these properties is really, I think really helpful as we come out of COVID like I should knock on wood or something. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I should probably not say those words. But as we come out and see the recovery process in your market and how you guys have bettered your systems and processes is pretty cool to learn from it and work through it, help communication with your clients. Very cool.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been a learning curve.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah I think the other thing too that we learned, I think the other thing that we learned in, during COVID is that depending on where you live, You could legitimately think that the entire country is Mm. the way that it is where you live and it's not it's not like you said this varies county to county state to states and municipality to municipality like it depends on where you are specifically in your state and then obviously some states and some counties are just psychotic and They're barely getting out of lockdown now and they still have crazy laws on the books for the landlords and the tenants. And so if you're living in one of those, it's hard to understand that there might be an area where it's not like that. And I think for people who live in places in certain parts of California, in New York City, Manhattan, and some of these places Mm -hmm. that have just absolutely been locked down forever, it would have to be pretty hard to understand that there are places that are completely open that just just don't have any restrictions. Right. I mean, but there are, there's plenty, like most of the country is that way now. And, uh,
0: yes. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And look, Pennsylvania. I mean, you guys were kind of in the middle of all of that. You weren't on the super light end of the regulations. You guys got locked down pretty hardcore up there, but you came out of it for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. You came out of it in the middle. And I think, you guys did such a good job of handling what was a very difficult situation especially between yes owners and residents who both probably neither one of them really wanted to have a whole lot of communication right because it, right. it was just not a good situation for anybody
1: yeah yeah it That's was not now man well i think this is really helpful conversation so thank you for joining us today to go through this gain some better understanding I definitely yeah well i think we may have clients with some questions so would you mind if they had specific questions if they already own in your market if they reached out to you about that not a problem okay
2: how would you prefer they do that
1: email is probably the
0: best okay but you can my phone number's
2: there for them as well um i think that's (laughs) the other thing we hear a lot from property managers is that email is best
0: my phone rings all day long
2: you have so much time on the phone that emails are easier to get to and answer very quickly.
1: Well, and it's good to have the paper trail too. Yes. yeah, Good for the owner to have the paper trail too. I, Correct. We did, a, we did a whole podcast on this last time. Jackie and I did it with uh, just, just last week on how to communicate an email really effectively. and. Have tracking and all of that stuff. So, oh,
0: yeah, it is so important. I know I could, I could go on for hours with on that one.
1: <laughs> I'll send you the link, Heather. You can tell me Perfect. What I missed. Okay.
2: okay. <laughs> so, I think the big thing to take away here is having somebody who really knows what they're doing, managing your property. And in addition to that, in spite of the fact that we had one of the worst problems that I can remember. Yeah. I haven't been doing this for 50 years, but I've been doing this for over 20 years. And I've never seen a problem like that, an actual tenant problem like this. And we still came out of it okay, right? So I think taking all of that in consideration when people are looking at properties and they're doing their worst case scenarios, we just lived through it. I mean, this was the worst case scenario that I've ever seen. And most everybody that I know came out okay. Yeah. So to that end, thank you, Heather, for showing up and walking us through it. And to everyone else out there, just like always, I mean, don't let this stop you this week, get out there and make it happen. And good Lord, if you're trying to buy something before the end of the year, you better get on it.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Like
2: right, right now, you better get on it if there's any property left. All right. Appreciate it. Get out there and make something happen this week, folks.
0: Thank you. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe
2: and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.